0: Hey, this is the tempter podcast where we discuss embedded linux iot development and lots of other things your hosts today are Kim raj and cliff Brake. how are you today Kim?
1: hey cliff i'm doing really good how about yourself
0: yeah yeah it's been a good great week so yeah we're looking forward to discussing documentation today so we're gonna talk through various aspects of documentation uh, what is documentation uh, how we do documentation some ideas why is it important? So maybe we could just start off, Kim. What is documentation to you?
1: Documentation is actually a very important um, piece of the puzzle when it comes to anything you do from software writing, hardware development, or any other processes. So to me, it is, on one side, the easiest way to pass on information to people who support you vis-a-vis your customers. It's also a helpful tool or a way for you to remember things that you can offload so you can remind yourself later. And it's also a tool which basically are a medium with which you can spread the knowledge and, and scale your projects. So I see it as very, very vital in any projects.
0: Yeah, that's that's a lot of covered there. There's many benefits to documentation. And, and for kind of thinking about what you just said, one part of that may be collaboration. You know, if you're working on a team, which most of us are these days, how does documentation and collaboration go together? Do you have any thoughts on that? or?
1: Yeah, I think it's a um, very interesting um, question. And I think documentation should be as important as you know your project plan is so there should be a documentation plan and perhaps you should start documented documenting way before you start doing other activities Um, because see you need to document your processes even what your project will entail because you want to have someone else come over and work with you they need to know the processes so um, you know you could have them documented, they can learn through the processes and be onboarded. And you can basically scale it into larger teams as to, you know, what your processes are, how to kind of modify them and and enhance them. So so definitely there is benefits in that area. Uh, The second benefits I see is when you have like teams that are spread across the globe we don't share same time zone. I mean, it's uh, convenient that you hop onto a meeting and then, you know, you can talk through it and go that way. But um, that's not always possible. And even if you think if you have many people involved, uh, and even if you're in same time zone, you know, it's 40, 50 people sitting in that same time, learning through this would also pose different kind of uh, problems whereas documentation could be then this you know helpful glue where they can go uh, learn about it on their own and scale that way so um, so yeah I see these kind of uh, important benefits I know that you do um, uh, documentation for other reasons and so what will be some of uh, the benefits you see
0: yeah there's there's lots of benefits to documentation and, and just thinking about what you said you have experience working on larger teams most of the teams i work on are probably a little bit smaller because i work with smaller generally smaller customers and you know any, anything you do you, you cut it helps to have some some amount of process you know if, if you do hardware design it's it's useful to have documented how you're going to do your schematics document how you're going to set up your libraries you know standard naming conven- conventions these these are very helpful because it you know when multiple people are working on something you it kind of all looks the same and feels the same so that's mm-hmm. that's one area where we use documentation for any of our our development flows we want them to be repeatable and we want anybody to be able to set up a build or check out source code and be able to to work with it and so if we document you know know, how how to set up a build how to application is structured and some basic things like that it can really help onboard people and yeah and, and it can even like you said instead of calling meetings for everything you know documentation can kind of take the place of some of that at times if if our conversations move to be more centered around documentation rather than documentation centered around meetings, if, if you will. So mm-hmm. yeah, lot, lots of things we can discuss there, but it's, I, I see huge benefits all all across the board. Absolutely. And, uh, so we've been talking mainly about benefits to, to people you're working with. Do do you find benefits to yourself? I mean, do you do it just for others or do you do it for yourself as well?
1: Yes. So um, documentation, yes. So I think um, I've been part of a lot of uh, meetings or other areas. And you know, your general perception is that uh, you are documenting it for others. And you know, the examples I gave earlier uh, definitely falls into that c- category. Um, but I see that a, uh, there are immense benefits for yourself Um, when you are treating documentation as one of your priority. And it really is an asset for your effectiveness. Uh, No matter, you know, what your role is, whether, you know, you are a manager or you are a coder or hardware designer, you name it. Um, Some of the things that, you know, we do a lot of uh, context switching, you know, multitasking uh, kind of projects nowadays. and, And it so happens that, we delve into one problem maybe for a week and then we switch our context and probably return to the same project maybe two weeks later Our frequency could be you know plus minus whatever it is sometimes we switch many times a day um, but overall uh, when you are in the context and you spend time researching figuring out something you know say uh, if you're a coder, right, and you read through some data structure and you figured out how that data structure is laid out. Sure, it's part of, you know, your day-to-day job, but if you document it, you can come back to it when you return to it and you can refresh yourself uh, as to where where you were at that point and, and start from there rather than um, most of the time, you know, you might forget. And yes, once you start sifting through the pages you'll remember, but it's more organized and effective if you have one place to go, there is less distraction in your mind when you are switching that context. Because the fact is that if you're switching context, you are distracted anyway, that goes without saying. So you want to minimize that. So definitely it helps in that regard. And second benefit I see is I write what I understand. And unless I understood it properly, I will not write it properly. Um, so writing gives, um, you know, an exercise to your brain where you're grasping, you're learning the concepts, and it kind of makes it more clearer. So it helps you to learn things to get that clarity in your thoughts when you write it down. So I might read about an algorithm and I might say, hey, you know, I really understood it. But then Say if I go and write code for it, right? That is also writing. Uh, we'll come back to it later. That's an interesting kind of writing. But uh, let's say we, we wrote down that algorithm, maybe in a flowchart or something, that will give us that clarity of, okay, you know, this is what I read, this is what I understood. And often you'll find yourself referencing back to the document you're reading when you're designing that flowchart, because the reason is you read through it, but probably you didn't fully grasp it. So that tells me that writing is giving me that opportunity to learn and clarify, you know, which otherwise I wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. So besides this, I think, uh, you know, there are a few other things uh, I know that, you know, we can talk about. But um, what I see is that as much as it is beneficial for others, uh, it is equally beneficial to yourself, if not more.
0: Yeah, I would say if not if more more so even. And that's 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 a real powerful thought because if we realize that documentation benefits us even more than it benefits others, then it, it's a powerful motivation to do it. And I I really appreciate the thought some of the thoughts that Leslie Lamport has shared. And mm-hmm. if you've never watched any of his material, his lectures or his videos, I highly recommend them even if you just do a few of them. But one of his quotes is, this may be paraphrased slightly, but he says, if you're not writing, you're not thinking. You only think you're thinking. And what yes, what, write, what writing does is it really helps the thinking process. And if you are able to get a thought out on paper and, and you, after, you, after you write something out, however you do that, and you look at it and it looks horrible, that probably means your thinking is horrible. Your thinking is sloppy. Mm-hmm. So you keep iterating on, mm-hmm. on this document until it, it looks right and it's clear and concise. And then that means your thinking is now clear and concise. So it's it's a good check. You know, if, if you're writing, it's a good check just to make sure your your thinking is is good.
1: Rightly said, rightly said. Yes, I totally agree with that. So, um, so, yeah, I think um, moving to an interesting part of this is that you and I we do coding uh, quite a bit, and so, what is the difference um, say, between a code or semantics and documentation code and code
0: that re- that reminds me recently we were discussing how we're gonna set up some hardware design projects and And I had a docs directory in the directory structure. And one of my work associates says, Why is there a docs directory? Everything's documentation. There shouldn't be a docs directory. And it kind of took me back a little bit. And I was thinking, Well, he might be right. And really, you know, I I was perhaps using the docs directory as maybe some common documentation for all the projects, but, you know, maybe I should have named it common then or something. But really, if we think about it, coded schematics are documentation and it's important to realize that when we write code or we write schematics or draw schematics or, or whatever we're doing whatever design we're doing we're, we're actually writing this for other people you know we may think well if the compiler's happy with it then we're done but r- really we need to write it for other people so that it's readable easy to understand because that's really what matters you know if compiler can understand it that's that's good but that's not really where we need to be
1: yeah, I think um, I've heard many times at work and other places, um, you know, when somebody asks a question about the code and somebody will say, you know, or where is, the, uh, where is, the, where is this code documented? Or, you know, do you have any, um, any documentation? And then, um, you know, you'll hear this common phrase that, you know, didn't you read the code? Uh, so in a way, indirectly, they are saying, code is documentation, right? So it's a way, uh, as you rightly said, that it's not only you're interacting with the computer, uh, because in the end computer just understands ones and zeros. So if you had to like really write it for the computer, you would probably write it in ones and zeros and you're done. But the way you are abstracting it using programming languages or documentation languages or other um, higher order abstracts is because you want to make it uh, readable by humans. So therefore, it's very important that when, you know, we are, we, sh- we should treat code as document rather than anything else, which is not only meant for the computers, but also meant for other programmers and people who will be uh, dealing with that code. And I also go a step further where I say that, it's not only the uh, other programmers or software engineers that would read that but but perhaps there would be other folks like maybe testers or qa or you know other uh, functions people who are experts in those areas who would want who should be able to read that code and do their functions if they need to um, so so i think it's very important at that point what i see is that you treat code like a document as if you were to write a book or a essay or something like that. And um, so of course, um, there is also part of it, which then comes immediately at you is that if you want to do a good job of documenting, then what sort of tools um, should be used? So do you have any recommendations for uh, documenting tools?
0: Yeah, just getting back to what you said about code, It's important to treat it like documentation. One thing I've learned from the Go community is the importance of idioms. And that's having uh, standard ways to write code that's that's simple, easy to understand. And that's really a strong value in the the Go community. And the other thing that it's really benefited me is automatic code formatters and linters integrated into my editor. You know, back Mm -hmm. five, 10 years ago when I was doing mostly c c plus plus you know that really wasn't wasn't a thing back then you know none of the code editors really had that but with go you know the go tool is became very popular and then prettier came out for javascript and then since then it just seems like there's been explosion of code formatting tools that integrate nicely with editors mm-hmm. and it, that's really nice because it it reduces it's just one less thing you have to worry about. You just write your code, and the editor's always formatting it for you very nicely, so it's easy to read. Mm-hmm. And then there's also linters that, like with Go, if you have an exported function, the Go linter will will flag it if you don't have a comment above it, which would then become documentation in the Go doc. I see. So having having linters that kind of encourage you to do documentation I, I find that very helpful as well
1: mm-hmm. absolutely i think that's a very critical point and i think um, that many times you know you review code and you know you'll see like somebody saying oh you didn't tab it properly or you didn't name the variable properly and many times uh, i've seen engineers say you know why don't you look at the logic of the algorithm it's solving a NP hard problem and you are talking about, you know, variable names. Um, But it's very important to have uniformity, especially when you are reading the code or when you're reviewing the code, because see uh, when you are reviewing the code, you are really, you want everything to be away from your focus should be on say logic or something like that. But in order for you to reach that focus, you have to make sure that all those distractions are gone. So you don't want your compute, your brain, to, to concentrate on, oh, why is this camel case or not? Um, you know, so, because your brain will wander towards that. And then suddenly you've lost focus of giving a good review because, you know, you were not focused at that time. So I think that having that uniformity is, is very helpful for uh, people who are reading through that code, be it yourself who wrote it or even others. Uh, and then when you are multiple people modifying that code, um, then it becomes even more important because if you don't agree upon how the variable should be named, or you know uh, what kind of tabs versus spaces or whatever you want to use, then the code will be kind of having all these um, mix and matches. Which means that when later on you do changes to that code, reviewing that code will be very harder because it will look very um, you know uh, unorganized code. And therefore, you know, the, the reviewers will find it distracting. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, and so linters um, um, definitely helps with that. And even for, you know, uh, CC++ nowadays, uh, it reminded me of uh, Clang, which has uh, Par matter tools and, and uh, linters that are available nowadays. So uh, there's uh, tooling all around, you know, the different language runtimes. That are now coming along, and you know there are editors which are now integrating language servers, um, so they are providing you uniform code highlighting and you know other facilities that you can uh, basically get as well. So definitely, this really strengthens, gives you those tools that otherwise you don't consider as documentation tools, right? Um, usually. When people talked about documentation in the past, you had a documentation department, they were experts in FrameMaker or you know that kind of tools. Um, but I think it's become that way that more and more people have started to bring documentation closer to code. And that's a nice thing. Um, secondly, the tooling also has become more friendlier in that area where you know you can basically add that documentation with within your projects uh, easily and maintain them easily as well so so yeah i think uh, that has been a change in progression in the past 10 20 years that i've seen um and what is your thought on the on the tooling part there
0: yeah, there's we've been talking most or the last few minutes about documentation code is documentation but i I think there's also a place for you know standalone documentation in a project as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I I have some thoughts on that. I I've come to believe that documentation should live close to the code. The open source repos on on GitHub have kind of established a standard as markdown
1: mm-hmm.
0: being used for documentation and and every repository has a readme at the top level and I think that's that's a good practice. Even for in-house code, you should have a README, a Markdown README at the top level that clearly can, explains, you know, what this this code does and just the basics. And then beyond that, I I find it useful to have additional Markdown documents, you know, alongside the code as as needed because there's some things that require more of a prose format than just like a comment on a function when you're explaining an algorithm or, or kind of architectural details, how, how the big picture, you know, I think there's a time to be writing out paragraphs and. Additionally, sometimes diagrams are useful. And I've been using draw.io. It's a, it's a nice little app. You can run it in the browser online, or you can download a desktop version. So I use the desktop version because it's a little better at saving files than the online version those are the two tools I've been using a lot lately and we mm-hmm. can you know we can get into the trade-offs between those tools and other tools I know Microsoft Word is probably what most people think of when they think of documentation but anyway what what do you find useful as tools
1: Yeah I think good uh, suggestions there and I agree I think um, having uh, tools close to your project um, is is very important you know so Having that single source of truth is 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 very very important, and be it an algorithm design or be it any other kind of uh, you know user visible feature that you want to talk about, having that close to your code where which is implementing that feature is definitely very helpful. Even for onboarding new coders, you know they will understand how it is being used. Even though it is not documenting the, the the particular feature, you know, technically, and so I find uh, uh, Markdown, for example, is you know one of the good tools, easy to use, um, and I use it quite often so much so that even my uh, rough notes are written in Markdown nowadays, and it's so easy to document and lists and all. So it's kind of gives you that outline easily that you need. Um, And I also find it important that in many cases, when you document, um, you know, say source code, uh, sometimes it's not possible for you to write very elaborate code or maybe the algorithm is a little bit complex. Um, So, you know, basically using something like Doxygen or that sort of tools, you know, to extract documentation out of the code itself is, is very helpful too. So I think that having that practice of, you know, seeing can we extract this um, documentation into more presentable, you know, ways would be very helpful too as well. So um, I think generating it from one source and converting into another source is, uh, you know, translator tools in between, they are fine, you can have PDF generators, you know, doc generators and all those. But Um, Keenly, what I think is important piece is that, you know, the the code itself should live um, next to the next to the, you know, sorry, documentation should live next to the code and uh, and the tools then becomes more or less, you know, convenience at that point that how you want to, you know, disseminate that information down. So um, uh, that would be like my go to and I'm basically okay if you were to, you know, write it in text, but then have some ways to uh, make it available in a richer set if somebody needed to.
0: Yeah, and and along with all that, you know, if you have, you know, like a lot of projects have a docs site, like open source projects, I'll have docs.project.org. And, um, and and if you have linting and formatting, having all those integrated into, into a continuous integration system is also very important. It's kind of like unit tests. If you don't continuously run it and check it, eventually it can become out of date and then so far out of date that it's not worth mm. fixing then. So continuous integration is is, is, is very important. Yeah, Yeah, and totally. With Markdown, one of the big benefits is you can edit it right in your editor. Right when you're writing code, it can just be in the same editor. For larger Markdown documents, I've been using Typora, which is a WYSIWYG editor. It almost feels like a word processor. You can do nice tables. If you insert graphics, they show up in line. So it, for larger documents, I find I, I tend to be using Typora more and more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, um, I believe it's still free. You can download it for your desktop run it
1: i see good recommendation
0: it's well worth worth looking at
1: Mm -hmm. so what do you find um, you know some of the positives of using markdown compared to some of the other ways of documenting
0: i think it really comes down to what are you optimizing for Because Markdown is not the most powerful documentation format. If you Mm -hmm. go into Microsoft Word, you know, there's tons more you can do in Word. You know, you can make it much prettier. You can do all kinds of fancy stuff in Word that you can't do in Markdown. Mm -hmm. But the downsides of Word and other formats are the file formats are very complex. So if you check a Word document into Git, and then someone wants to review a change you can't because you can't diff a word document you know it's a big binary blob Mm -hmm. but with markdown if someone makes a change they can uh, open a pull request somebody reviewing that change can see clearly what changed in the document there can be some uh, discussions around Mm -hmm. around those changes and you can iterate a few times and Mm
1: -hmm. so I, i think
0: the simplicity enables uh, collaboration. So if you yeah. want to optimize for collaboration, a simpler format like Markdown is is hugely beneficial.
1: Yeah, that's a very good takeaway there. Um, a good thought actually, yeah. And uh, I strongly believe that optimizing for collaboration is the way to go if you have a scalable project uh, or you're looking for scaling your project. So. Um, so I think we talked about, you know, documentation. And so what do you think, what's the, where should it live, you know, in terms of um, the documentation? How should it be stored or should it live to next to code or something like that?
0: Yeah, so the biggest problem I see with documentation is it gets out of date, right? So mm-hmm. someone writes a product spec, someone writes an architectural document. Whatever, and then we go off, run off, and do the design, and the documentation is on a file server, or it's in Google Docs, or it's been emailed around, and pretty soon it's stale and out of date, and then it's just a relic of the past. It's of marginal use because it, it doesn't really keep up. So as we've been discussing, if we keep our documentation with the code,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it has a better chance of not becoming stale and out of date. But one step further, if we use our documentation as a platform for thinking about our design, then that ensures it stays relevant. And the, the way I like to think about this, if, if we want to discuss a design feature, we should document that and open up a pull request in our, in our Git system. And then the discussion happens around the documentation. Mm-hmm. So the documentation is leading the discussion and the collaboration. The way it works mostly is we get together in a meeting and someone is assigned as the scribe to take notes on the meeting and then they publish minutes or whatever. And the documentation is kind of an afterthought about what gets discussed in the meeting. But if we turn that around and we put our ideas in documentation first and open a pull request, a discussion happens around the documentation, then I think that's a more powerful flow
1: i see yeah i think i absolutely agree there um and also like exchanging documentation like you know your um your ways of like exchanging them via emails or other ways is is inefficient in itself because you'll be you know emailing multiple copies getting comments merging them and then you know you'll have to have a difficult way where either you have to assign someone as your primary owner or, you know, document master, and then others are providing the comments. But then it's very, um, you know, it's it's a process where you, you'll have to keep distributing the document rather than having a location where people can collaborate on it. And I think a engineering-focused documentation, people understand the you know, the Git pull request uh, workflow and adding it as just another uh, document or something and, and having your documents part of your normal workflow helps a lot because it's same workflow that you follow for the code uh, or the documentation. Uh, you can extract a lot of uh, this out of your teams because it is not seen as, uh, you know, an added um, work. so do, you know, that now I wrote the code, now I need to write documentation, you know, somewhere else. Christ. So there is what you call friction, even though, you know, we also have to understand that teams are under our time pressure many times and code is what they get to deliver. So that gets priority, of course. And once like code is working, everything else can be um, on the back burner and documentation is one of the first one that goes uh, on the back burner. So reducing that friction uh, by tools and, and workflows is, is very, very important as well. So, um, you know, if you are setting up a project, think from this aspect that documentation is your primary channel would take you far away uh, in the project.
0: Yeah, and it it turns documentation from being a burden to being something that actually helps you mm-hmm. think better about a project as a group. Yeah. and. Um, yeah it's just a refreshing way to work Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and i i would challenge people you know if you're emailing around stuff documents and and things like that you're probably there's better ways to do things Mm -hmm. cal newport has released a new book about Mm -hmm. imagine a world without email or something like that we'll put a link to it in the show notes but he's really challenging this this whole idea that most of us should just be emailing everybody all the time, especially within a team or within a company. Uh, email is not not the best way to communicate. There, mm-hmm. There's there's much better ways to do it, and we've we've been discussing that. So, if you, if you're interested in in this, uh, GitLab has published in their company handbook a, a lot of information on how they do things, and you can get a lot of good ideas if you want to. If you want a cutting edge workflow, you know, that cuts mm-hmm. down on developer distraction and interruptions and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they they have a high friction, process where it's high friction to call a meeting, but it's easy to open a pull request. And that's exactly what you want.
1: Right, right. And I think I've come to realize that, um, you know, with more experienced you are, more you should document, not other mm-hmm. way around
0: sure that makes sense
1: to be more effective and many times you know we kind of don't take thinking that way but um it's very effective if you're working in a team and they're looking up to you as your um, lead designer Um, documenting your thoughts out uh, helps the team a way more than calling out a meeting for an hour
0: exactly that's that's an excellent thought
1: so um so another question that I'll ask you is, and I think you have dealt with this in the past, is um, uh, you told me about, you know, that uh, there was this documentation story about one of the schematics, um, you know, where how it was documenting the nodes. So could you uh, relate to that story um, to for our audience uh, that you recently oh, experienced?
0: Yeah. So we were working on a project, and one of the engineers. Was, was entering symbols for the various components we're using in, the, in a printed circuit board design.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I was reviewing the schematic, and it, there was a note below the symbol that said, you know, pin, pin 6 or whatever needs to be connected to ground per the data sheet. And it was a no-connect pin, so it wasn't obvious from the symbol in the, in the pin name that this should be connected to ground. Mm-hmm. And I commented during the review, I said, that's, that's a nice idea, putting that comment below that symbol in the schematic and he said no I actually put that in the symbol in the symbol library so whenever any anybody pulls that symbol into a new schematic that note is is already with the symbol. so he's captured that knowledge in the symbol that will be used on multiple designs. so anyway it's the first time I saw that done I thought it was a, a nice touch.
1: right right so um, yeah I really like that because you know you can be innovative and, and effective. Um, by doing this um, and uh, i thought that it was interesting uh, a story to share um, so i think um, the next question probably the last question for today is um, what are um, you know tools you to manage documentation
0: so one thing that's kind of nice is if you collect documentation in a nicely presentable format and Let's just talk about open source projects for a minute. If you go to most open source projects, they have the source code and then they have a separate repository for documentation. And then typically that repository gets run through a static site generator, like Hugo Doxy, which is maintained by Google or DocuSaurus, which is maintained by Facebook. And there's half a dozen other ones out there to generate a nice HTML site with with all your documentation but that kind of violates the principle we've been talking about the documentation should be with the code so I've been working on a process lately where you can take a source code project it takes the docs directory and then it runs through one of these static site generators And, and I've actually been using Zola recently it's a rust it's written in rust it's a it's a simple site generator it's similar to hugo but much simpler mm-hmm. and a little more opinionated so i i think it's an excellent solution but in one of my projects I, I pulled documentation from like a firmware repo a application repo and a hardware repo each one of those has a docs directory and then that these get pulled into another repo these doc all these docs directories get put into one documentation site and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll link to that in the show notes as well it's the docs.simpleiot.org site and i think that's a nice way to make nice user-facing documentation but yet the documentation is also with the source code very readable in a text editor and can be edited by the developers as they work mm-hmm. and then occasionally we'll just pull that all in and and refresh the documentation site
1: mm-hmm. so nice so um um, do you think that some of this um, which would make into um, our um, tempdir handbook?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question. So some of these ideas we've been—I should back up a minute. We've been kind of collecting in what we call the tempdir handbook. It's um, we'll add a link, but it's in it's in GitLab and it's currently just markdown files. And I occasionally generate a PDF. But you know we should also run it through the same process that recently figured out and put that on a on a website as well it's a great idea
1: all right so um, any any last thoughts uh, cliff on on this
0: yeah i'm sure i have lots of thoughts on documentation i should probably just be quiet and, and stop but one other tool that's kind of neat is Jupyter notebook mm-hmm. and it's it's a way to mix code uh, python code and and markdown in, in one document along with showing the results. So, you know, any type of project where you're doing a lot of calculations or maybe some numerical analysis, that's that's an excellent tool. And it also outputs a nicely formatted output that, that can be easily read. So if you update a Jupyter Notebook to GitHub or GitLab or even Gitia, all those tools know to how, how to process a, a Jupyter notebook and it'll actually display in GitHub as, as the process notebook, you know, mm. with, with the output, whether it be graphs or numbers or whatever. So again, there's there's a lot of a lot of neat things, but
1: cool. Yeah. So I think um, it's more important that you know we treat documents as code and code as document.
0: Excellent. Uh, yeah.
1: And um, <laughs> And obviously, with that parting thought, uh, thanks, everyone. And uh, I hope you find this uh, episode useful. Please uh, give us uh, feedback on your favorite uh, podcasting app. And thanks, everyone. And thanks, Cliff.
0: Yeah, enjoy it. Take care.